Welcome back to From the Frying Pan. I'm Vince Cassay, your host for this podcast about all things restaurant. As promised in the past, I have my first interview today with an absolutely amazing person that I have personally worked with uh, for over a year in the restaurant industry. His name is Maurice Evans. Uh, he was the executive chef at a restaurant we both worked together and probably one of my most favorite people. Definitely had the most fun with him in my career in terms of working in a restaurant in the chaos, in the depths of all of the action, opening a brand new restaurant, which is not easy. So good morning, how are you? Uh, good morning, sir. I am great, man. I'm wiping off the tears from that beautiful introduction. That was amazing, thank it, you, sir. It's so good to have you. Um, like I said, one of my most favorite people. Um, I wanted to get the listeners uh, a chance to listen to some of the people that I have worked with in this industry and some people that I haven't, that I just hold in a high regard or have done great things in the Tampa Bay area where I'm located. So Maurice is one of those people, and I wanted to start and just allow him to speak a little bit about his journey. You know, all of us in the restaurant industry have a journey somewhere we started. We were given an opportunity to become a dishwasher or a busser or a host or a server or a line cook, and we grew our careers out of passion and hard work, and everyone has their own story, and that's what makes it really unique and fun to listen to. So I'm going to let Maurice talk a little bit about that, and uh, let's hear his journey. Um, <clears throat> passion and hard work, those are two words that stick out. Um, I started my journey when I was about seven, eight years old. Um, in the summer, waking up at six in the morning with my grandfather, because he used to work at the Minnesota State Fair in the Anoka County Fair. And I'm eight years old, getting up extremely early in the morning. I didn't know what was going on. But my mom said I had to go because grandpa was ready. <laughs> and uh, I never looked back. I got up, I got in the truck, and I remember the smell of the gas. Like, everything was old. Everything was recycled and beat up, but he made it work every single time. He had a screwdriver that used to start his car. <laughs> but, we used to, <laughs> but he had a food truck. It was crazy, man. Um, but I love him for that. But he showed me how to, how to get up, how to, how to have a focus, how to have a vision, how to set goals, and how to achieve them at a very early age. He instilled in me a work ethic that I think is unmatched in this industry. And I use that, and I don't say it, you know, in a cocky way, Vince, because you know me, but I say it because it's gotten me to this point. When I think about it, it's crazy how I feel right now. I'm on this natural high thinking about how he used to get me up and tell me it's time to go to work. And I've never looked back. <laughs> it's nuts, man. Wow. So, yeah, it starts there. Um, getting up, making sure that chickens are clean, making sure that the flour is ready for the chicken to be fried. Yeah, it was fried chicken. Um, house-made chili. He had ribs. He owned a restaurant back in the day, way okay. before my time. I think they closed it in like the early 70s. Um, but with that being said, he already had, you know, he had the standardized menu. Um, and it was just about prep, 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 clean, 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 work, 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 take a five or 10 minute break to go get something to eat then come back and do it all over again at like eight or nine years old. That's awesome. As my eight or nine year old is just sitting playing Xbox for six <laughs> Different times. Different times, man. <clears throat> different times indeed um so yeah it starts there and again i never looked back and i didn't think that at that time i didn't think that cooking would be my actual like career i just like i just need to make you know i was young i wanted to make money and i had the opportunity to do it with my grandfather so i thought that was pretty dope very cool yeah, yeah man wow <laughs> wow it's funny how memories can spawn up like you can hear truck start you can yeah. remember what the gas smelled like you can remember all the flour like all those things everything when we start out you yeah. know those memories are so imprinted on us you know and I started out in a restaurant in Georgia you know as a server 
I don't know why they gave me the job, but they did. And I remember the manager. I remember his line checks. I remember the girl that used to check us out every day. I remember the church crowd on Sunday. Yeah. Like you remember very vivid things. Everything. And that first, you know, whatever. And it gets you hooked. And yeah. then, you know, you have a journey. Yeah. You know? So what, what happened in the years, you know, after that? Um, after that, um, we'll fast forward actually to high school where I took. So I went to North High School, which is um, in North Minneapolis, like my first two years. I was in Minneapolis pretty much my whole life. I made a decision. I made a personal decision uh, on my own to stop going to North and then to transfer out to a suburban school because I felt like the path I was heading down was not the right path. I wasn't really focused on grades the way I needed to be. I was more focused on how I looked. Um, and that's not that's nothing against North. It was just this the type of it was just kind of lifestyle around those times, man. Like you didn't really care. You just wanted to make sure you looked good. Like I just wanted to make sure I got straight A's. And then you know it's the exact opposite at Richfield. I'm wearing the same thing every day. Nobody cares about what you wear. Make sure you get good grades, or you're not going to graduate, dude. There's no, there's nothing you, that's going to get by them, right? Um, so I say that because I had an opportunity to have this to do this mentorship program after taking like a personality test. It said you can either be on TV or you can be uh, a chef. And I was like, I'm really camera shy. I'm not going to do that stuff. And to this day, my mom's always like, you got to be on TV. I was like, I'm not doing it, mama. But um, so I took that test. I was like, I'm not going to be on TV. Um, you know, I have a history of like my dad was a chef. We didn't have the best relationship, but he was still a chef. He was like a corporate chef. And obviously, like I said, my grandfather owned restaurants and, and brought me up in the game real early. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. I mean, I like cooking. Um, I like eating. And it's it's a lot of fun. You know, I love the holidays, cooking with my grandma, you know, after coming in, playing football and things like that. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. So I had the opportunity to do this mentorship program where, like, the last two periods of the day, I was able to travel to a local chef and work under them. Wow. Um, and so it was, uh, there was, like, me, I was the only culinary person. You had two girls that were going to be actresses. You had one person that was going to be in computer science. They pulled us all into this room. And we got to meet all these different types of people, um, which was really dope because that's where I met the person that started Geek Squad. Cause oh, they, I don't neat. know if you knew this or not, but Geek Squad started on the north side of Minneapolis on the corner of Plymouth and Penn. Wow. So literally five minutes away from where, or 10 minutes away from where I grew up. Wow. So talk about some real, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Now look at them in Best Buy, like, huge, amazing, right? So <laughs> it's a beautiful story. But <clears throat> I'm sitting here, I'm talking to the person that I could potentially be working with. She's, a, again, a local chef. And at the time, as, as I'm thinking about this, I realized how dope she was. Like, she was really in the game. Like, and, you know, at that time, I didn't really know how serious it was, like, fine dining and, you know, having just being meticulous and, and making sure that plates are clean and things like that. But she had, like, she, she was talking about all that. And I wasn't nervous. It was just the fact that I had no way of getting to her because I had no transportation, right? So I'm taking the bus from the north side of Minneapolis. It takes me about an hour and a half, two hours to get to Richfield. So in order to do that, in order to get to that program and do it within school hours, it just wasn't feasible for me. Okay. So what I decided to do at that point was to drop it, you know, which was which kind of sucked. I didn't want to drop it, but because, you know, I was like, man, I think this is my future right here. But I dropped it and I took two study halls. So I took two study halls for about a week. And then um, I started going to, you know, I just started walking around the halls because I was bored. There's nothing to do. It was free periods, right? Right. So I stumbled upon culinary class, and I was like, oh, okay. And culinary class and woodshop and other stuff was all in the back hallways or whatever. Um, and so I stumbled into culinary class, and I slowly started going to culinary class for the first study hall. And then I went to it for the second study hall. 
And then she's like, what are you, you're not even, what's going on, man? You're not my student. So I started becoming like a teacher's aide for culinary class. And it was a lot of fun. I will get all the ingredients together, help her measure out stuff, look at recipes. And then the next uh, semester, I was in her culinary class. Awesome. And um, I think that's where it all started. Miss Johnson, man, she really set me on that right path. She was such a sweet person. Um, and she recognized the passion that I had um, at a very young age. And that allowed me to continue to grow um, in the process. So I graduated from high school. Um, and I started looking for a culinary school. I go through this program in the beginning of the summer at the Art Institute, Minneapolis, downtown Minneapolis. I stayed there for like a week. I fell in love with it, and so I ended up going to that school. Right, so I graduated in June. I started culinary school in July at 17, and uh, that was like the true beginning of that. Like, I know my grandfather kind of, he, he lit that fireman, but this is where it started to really just show. You can see it building. And I, I remember the the culinary director for AI said he goes around the rooms like, "Why do you want to be in this industry?" <laughs> so I can please the ladies. That's literally what I said. <laughs> so I can please the ladies because at that time, like, well, if I can cook, I can't do anything else, right? And I'm, you know, I'm a really chunky guy. I know you don't ever believe this, but I was chunky. My glasses are a lot thinner now, but they were super thick, super thick. <laughs> and I was like, "There's nothing else I can do except cook and get these." And that's what I, that's what I thought. Like, well, if I can cook, I can definitely get a woman now. Sure. So he was like, "Well, you're in the wrong industry." And I remember that vividly too. It was great. Everybody <laughs> laughed, and um, it was a running joke for a very long time. Um, and then, even within culinary school, you can see, you can see the future stars. You can see them, man. You can see the cast that are just there because they just wanted a piece of paper to show how serious they were. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about cats that are they're really close to being a chef. And they're like 21, 22. Like wow. they can have their own restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like you need to go to New York, you need to go to Chicago, LA, whatever, because this Minnesota is not doing it for you right now. You need to go somewhere where it's actually happening. And not to say that the food scene was up and up and coming back then. You had Marcus Samuelson, who had Aquavit. That's where he started his career in Minneapolis. Um, you had a whole bunch of local cats that are now a little bit more national. And they are getting way more recognition than they were you know, when I first started. Like, if I'm not mistaken, Minneapolis is in one of the top ten food cities now. Really? When I was coming up, it really wasn't. It was just beginning. So that's pretty awesome, man, especially being where we're at. Um, but, yeah, that that kind of catapulted me into the craziness of the restaurant industry right there. And, um, again, you don't – this is the first time I've actually looked back. I don't ever look back. I just keep going, man, because I feel like sometimes we, we focus on – if you live in the past, you're dead, right? Yep. You, just, you just keep moving. You learn from those mistakes. You keep building. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think we all have a point where we landed where we landed, and it was interesting, and we, we got really curious and passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the information really starts to flow, and it's a time where your curiosity is just nonstop. Mm-hmm. I want to know about this ingredient. I want to know about that preparation yeah. style. Um, you know, I started out in the front, and once you want to be a manager they train you in the kitchen which Mm -hmm. is invaluable you have to people in the front that haven't spent that time or haven't shown that curiosity or or that initiative to get back there are really at a disadvantage to be honest because Mm -hmm. the passion and the creative force is the kitchen you know and and we operate solely around the fact that that's what they're providing to our guests so to know the ingredients and the preparation style and where they come from and you know why certain things are important 
Um, I remember that time in my career, and you're just like, I can't learn enough. I'm taking notes all the time. Yeah. I go back there, you know, when we're slow, and I want to cook a little bit, mm-hmm. or I want to try this out, or I watch this on this channel, or I heard about this in this article, or whatever it is. And you go back there and you experiment, yeah. which I think is probably very natural for anyone in the kitchen. It's just like, hey, can I do A on a B style, mm-hmm. and it comes out something innovative or very delicious, or we've never seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's fun, and you jump on that train, and you you ride it. And you're right; you don't look back. You, you just right. look for the next opportunity and, the, and the next uh, person that's going to provide you with whatever you need, whether it's leadership or information or experience. Yeah. That's awesome. So, when you got out of school, you know what was the next step? Um, the next step was, you know, everybody tells you they'll help you find a job. We have automatic job placement. Not so much, right? So <laughs> I had to. Uh, I remember doing the the capstone project, doing the. Um, having everybody come around and seeing your, you know, restaurant concept. Definitely wasn't the greatest, brother. I'll be honest with you. I remember <laughs> getting a can of French onion soup from the store and balking it up. And like, hey, I'm going to do French onion soup. And all that. it was just, it was terrible, <laughs> terrible. But then I go around and I see the cast again that are the future stars. I'm like, God damn, man. Why didn't I? Wow. When did you have the time to do that? And you work like 100 hours a day. Right. You know, this is me. I'm working like two hours a day. But yeah, so um, I had the opportunity to work with one of the instructors had a catering company um probably another milestone in my career because that you uh, we're talking about physical like we're talking about everything from start to finish you come in you prep not only do you prep you pack everything up you pack everything up you transport it you're unloading it you're serving for one to two hours you come back you are unloading and then you clean up everything right this is my and nowadays you have companies that there's people who do that, right? You don't have one person doing it. They break that. it apart. Yeah, okay. so I was the only person doing that from start to finish. Oh my and I God. really think that built me up too, man, <laughs> like straight up. Like, as I look at it now, it's making my stomach hurt. Like, I could never put somebody through that. Right. But I went through it. But I went through it because of my grandpa. Mm-hmm. I went through it because I saw my mom going to work every single day, no matter. I, I don't think I ever saw my mom miss work except for when she had, like, a surgery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's funny now because I'm the same exact way, and it's crazy how much it's in me. Um, so... We, uh, I'm doing that and then graduate from culinary school, which was awesome. And then I end up getting a job, um, staying with the catering company and realizing like, I'm going to get burnt out doing this, you know, but you know, I, I got my first car, like, you know, I'm, they're able to, they help me out with so much, right? I got, I gained so much knowledge. Um, was it stressful at times? Was it challenging at times? Absolutely. You know, I'm in, at this time I didn't have a relationship. I didn't have any children. So... The, the fact that I'm still, I still have that work ethic now is a blessing and a curse, I guess. Yep. Especially when you have a family that you have to go home to. Absolutely. But back then, if you're working at 8 o'clock in the morning and getting home at 2, there's nobody to yell nope, at you. No one cares. Like, just yeah, it's like, ah, you're good, man. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But, you know, around 10 o'clock at night now with a family and a wife, you're like, the call's about to happen. So yep. you try to get ahead of it, right? And then you give them a time where you know, like, you'll still beat it. But it's even then, it's like, uh, but anyways, <laughs> try to get out of that life real quick, right? So I go into healthcare, food service, which okay. is like, wow, you work every other weekend, you get, you work in six to two, uh, 2.30 because you get your half hour break. Right. First of all, you get a break, right? <laughs> which is nice. Uh, but every other weekend, um, and it was, it was very easy. It was very simple. I was very complacent and I was okay especially having my, my young or my oldest son at the time uh, mostly by myself, I was okay staying there and making a career out of it. 
why not? Right. Right. I have. I, I get my forty hours. I get great holiday pay. I get my time off. I get every other weekend off, which is unheard of in this industry. All unheard of. Yeah. And I get benefits. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. And I'm what like twenty one. Yeah. Don't turn that. Way. <laughs> what are you doing? So, uh, enter my beautiful wife, Kalia, yeah. and I remember it like it was yesterday. She's pregnant with my daughter, and we're outside of a friend's housewarming party. She was like, "So, what are you gonna do, man?" And I was like, what are you talking about? I got a beautiful job. I'm getting paid pretty nice. Mm-hmm. At the time, I thought it was. Uh, Quezon's taken care of. Um, I get every other weekend off. I get benefits. I'm here with you right now on a Friday night. What else do you want? Yeah. She's like, but you're better than that. I was like, what are you? What are you doing better than that? You, I'm, I work. Like, you know, at that time, like, I go to work. I'm a good man. I take care of you. The bills are paid. What do you mean I can, I'm better than this? Mm-hmm. You don't want to be with me anymore? You want to be like, what are you talking about? She's like, no, you need to you you need to go into restaurants. This is this is not your passion. I know you're just doing it because you're trying to take care of everybody. Right. But you need to start taking care of yourself. And I was like, whatever, you're crazy. And so I get into restaurants, and I you know I I kind of test the water out a little bit. And I I stick my toe in, and that's, that shit was cold, man. It was <laughs> yeah. extremely cold. Big I was like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to do this. And so, um, you know, I'm going to use a pull analogy, but I'm in that shallow end for a very, very long time, extremely long time, trying to get the ins and outs, trying to learn how to, like, it's just, it's just a different monster, right? You go into, and it's funny because I'm out of culinary school, going into the healthcare uh, industry with my knives and everything and with my notebook and all that. After like a week, I'm like, oh, this is all, this, this is extremely simple. And that's not to say anything negative about it, but it's just a different monster. Right. Um, you have... You know, you have a rotating menu. It's about four or five weeks, so you know what's coming. Um, the the products you get in, there's a certain price point. You just, there's not, it's minimal prep. Okay. A lot of stuff that comes in already done for you, which is awesome because it helps with service and it helps with um, execution. Um, but I could see why I wanted to start heading in a different direction because it's just going to teach me more. Instead of having the soup that's already made, I want to learn how to make the soup. Right, I want to go back to that. I went to school for a reason. Sure. And which is crazy because the reason I got hired at that place, and most of the time I get hired somewhere, is they see that I actually had, I actually was serious about it and got a degree in it, mm-hmm. which most people are a lot more smart than I am, and they just learn for free. Right. I was like, well, let me pay all this money to go learn how to cook, right? Um, but it, uh, so, with all that aside, I, um, I start working at this place called um, Hell's Kitchen, and it's not that Hell's Kitchen. But it is a Hell's Kitchen. They're originally out of Duluth, Minnesota. It's called. It used to be called Hell's Burgers. Okay. They moved from Duluth, um, kept that location open for a little bit, then, but then found a beautiful spot in downtown Minneapolis. So um, I'm I'm working there for a little bit. Well, let's back up a little bit. There's a local place called um, Spoon River, which is owned by Brenda Langton, who was a huge fi- fixture in the food service scene was one of the first people that had like a strictly vegetarian restaurant. Wow. Like she was, she was a real deal. Um, she started her place in St. Paul, Minnesota, closed up, um, and then moved down to Minneapolis. So I started working there on the line. Um, there, everything's local, everything's organic. You going like the, the guy, like Fred, the tomato guy is bringing in tomatoes. Like, do you want to use these? Yes or no? I'm gonna go down the street and somebody else will use. Like everything's wow. fresh, back, back of the door every single day. And it was a beautiful thing, man. I was like, this is how it's supposed to be. And that's probably pretty unique at that time in, in the yeah, restaurant industry. Yeah, that's why right? it was such a big deal. Like, yeah. oh, you're working with Brenda? Like, <laughs> she's like, she doesn't play around. Like, she's going gonna, gonna to be the best ingredients. If it's not local, she's not going to use it. If it's not supporting somebody, she's not going to use it. Like, all that stuff was 
at that young age, learning about that, like that's what I want to do. That's what I want to be. Not thinking about what it took for her to get there, though, right? Right. Like she started in the game at like 21. She's like almost 50 now. And she's just now getting to a point where she can do everything that she wants to do. Right. right? Um, and so I am working with a guy. His name is Joe. He was a server there. And then he was on the line there. And then he was a server there again. He's one of those. He's a hybrid guy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'll just take the hours where I can get them. Um, he's like, so I'm going to, uh, I started working at this Hell's Kitchen place, man. And, you know, I think we work pretty well together on the line. You know, if you're ever interested, you know, let me know. I think they're going to try to do, start doing dinner. Because at the time it was brunch and lunch. But he's like, I think they're going to start doing dinner. So I want to start building a team. Just think about it. And I was like, all right, whatever. This is, I'm cool. Spoon River. So I was doing Spoon River in like the hospital, like going back and forth. So I still got my regular pay. Then I'm still starting to learn now. Okay. Um, and then probably a month or two later, he's like, hey, man, you got to come over here. We need you now. And I was like, no, Joe, I'm not doing it, bro. Like, I'm scared. Like, this is too much. <laughs> it's probably high volume. I, I didn't know. Spoon River was probably the highest volume I ever did. And mm-hmm. we're only doing, like, I don't know, 40 covers at, at dinner. Right. Like, it, you know, because it's, it's a fine dining spot. And they actually, like, it's, everything was just meticulous and everything was, you know, well thought out. And you wanted to make sure that they had a great experience, man. They were there for that food. Mm-hmm. They were there for that that feeling so they understood how if it, if it took a while um and so i finally joined joe's team and uh wow wow man that right there that that right there was the beginning of a monster that right there was the beginning of the 12 hour days at one spot the doing everything that you can to make sure the team is good like just a crash course in how to run a kitchen and yeah that was your initiation into that was what it, man. Follow, right? That was it. Okay. Like that right there took me to Florida, straight up. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was probably starting in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Okay. And we ended up moving in two thousand eleven. So yeah, running. Yeah, maybe even two thousand seven because right after my daughter was born. Okay. It's a big deal, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, you know, I would say, being front of the house versus back of the house, you have a different initiation period for sure mm-hmm. um, and, and I, I hold myself in a regard that I feel very fortunate that I love both yeah. um, and I like getting in the kitchen and I like cooking and I like doing those things I don't think that that's everyone in front of the house for mm-hmm. sure um, but it's so invigorating I, I would only tell you that bartending would be the only thing that would be close to it in terms of the chaos, the non-stop yeah. um, the creative aspect the execution part, the perfection you know, the desire to really put out an amazing product mm-hmm. um but yeah 12 hour days are no joke it's uh you know you barely eat you eat what two minutes three minutes if that, brother. yeah if that you know little <laughs> bites here and there you know a sampling and then at the end of the night you're like am i hungry i'm probably not 12 hours kind of beat me down i'm yeah. just tired yeah um that's really cool yeah so so then you move down to florida mm-hmm. um and and what what is your next adventure move down to florida uh with nothing honestly we uh, I think Kalia had found a job. We made the decision to get married and move to Florida regardless of what was going to happen. We were out of Minnesota. It was the worst winter that we had had in a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, when they close the schools, it's bad because they don't ever close the schools. So <laughs> I remember then I was like, oh, we're not going to be here next winter. we got to go. Um, we came down to visit, I think, that week before Easter of that year, or in 2010, and we fell in love with Tampa. She had a friend <clears throat> that lived down here. My brother-in-law is originally from Tampa, and so we kind of had that relationship as well. Um, but we kind of just moved. We were like, you know what? It's time for us to make a move. 
and we had nothing. We came with nothing, man. We came with everything that we had packed up. We were staying at someone's. We were, it was uh, Kalia and I, and then my two oldest staying in a room. And Kalia flew down here first and got a job right away because she's Kalia. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, she came back up, and then we all drove down together. And, um, man, I, I don't think I've ever... I don't think you'll ever see a Ford Escape with so much stuff on top of it. I don't even know how we made it down here, bro. It was crazy. An the escape way, no boot, right? It, it was ridiculous, man. Um, so we moved down here. I start going on interviews. Um, I'm working at a lot of hole-in-the-wall kind of places because I'm a father and a husband. I got to take care of my family. So I didn't care. Kalia had other you know, intentions. But I was like, listen, I got to work, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to wait. So um, were they the safest places? Absolutely not. <laughs> were they gonna be conducive to my success? Probably not. But they put a, you know, they sometimes you need a account. paycheck. That's it, man. Mm-hmm. I need a paycheck. I mean, so much so where people are like, "What do you? Do? <laughs> no, we're not gonna hire you. There's no way you work here. Why are you doing this right. to yourself?" They're like telling me to go away. You don't need this job. I was like, I do need this job because I just moved here. But we're not gonna stick around that long. I'm gonna stick around as long as you need me, and I'm going to be one of the best people you've ever hired. You know, that's what it was. And again, not being cocky, I'm just confident, man. Um, and so. Went through that for about a year or two until I got the opportunity to go to a place called uh, Zudars, which is a local spot down here. It's off of uh, Platt Street in Tampa. Great guy, great place. Showed me a lot of love when I first came in. Um, built a great relationship with him. But um, at a certain point, it was time for me to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we went to, or I went to the Hard Rock and started to be, I was a sous chef there um, at the cafe. Started training up in Council Oak. Because the chef at the time, which is now the chef for, uh, is it Cena? Am I saying it right? I think that's right. Cena, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was actually the chef for um, uh, for Council Oak at the time. He had a surgery. And I remember going over there to train up for a little bit so he can take some time off. Um, and then came Roy's Hawaiian Fusion, mm-hmm. which is where we kind of have a connection. Yeah. Um, and I was extremely excited because... You know, I was going to get the opportunity to work in my first fine dining spot, you know, in Florida, um, which was more of my background coming from Minnesota. Um, and now that I had the high volume under my belt from the casino, mm-hmm. like I felt like I was just ready for war. Until I went into the storeroom and realized everything was in Korean, Japanese, <laughs> Thai. So, like, it was crazy. Right. Like, there's a couple things in French, you know, because of the fusion thing. And just because just of, you know, Asian cuisine in general adopts a lot of French technique. But with that being said, it was a it was a wonderful learning experience for me because I forced myself to learn everything um, in a different language, mm-hmm. to recognize things. I can even go to Asian market now. I don't need help anymore. Just recognize the She's label. like, you know what? I was like, I know what it is. You're good. Don't worry about it. You're like, I understand why you're here right now. I know it looks like I might not, you know, I might be a little out of place, but this is this is my wheelhouse now. That's awesome. So, yeah, man, it was, you know, a valuable learning experience. To be able to get paid and go to school at the same time is pretty awesome, if, mm-hmm. if you ask me. And that's kind of how I always look at it, um, being a chef. If you feel like you learn everything as a chef, you shouldn't be a chef anymore because I don't think it's possible. No. And that's really in every career, I think. Once you feel like you stop learning, you got to do something different. Um, so we got Roy's. After Roy's, I ended up going to um, Picant, which was in Hyde Park. It's since closed now. Um, and that was a local spot. Um, uh, French-inspired cuisine. Um, they did a lot of baking, which was pretty cool. So I got to see a lot of different uh, things when it came to that. Um, and then after Picant, what was after Picant? I think it was Suzu in St. Pete. 
That's right. Yeah, the Asian fusion spot. So me and the um, old sushi chef from Roy's, he was the exec, and I ended up being his sous there. And we pretty much uh, revamped that whole program, went in, uh, did a a grand reopening, um, and tried to make it as successful as possible. And then 23 Restaurants comes in, likes the concept, buys them out, um, and then we part ways. 23 Restaurants who owns Forest Garage. Got it. Um, and so then we part, and that became their Asian concept, and that all the way up until last year, until quarantine, and then they shut it down, unfortunately. Um, and then after that, I was at, um, I helped him go and like kind of clean up this other little small sushi spot on Bay to Bay. And then I got the opportunity, and then you called me. Mm-hmm. You said, hey, man, let's uh, let's give this whiskey cake thing a shot. I remember that phone call. Yeah. It was, it's funny, when you talk to someone on the phone, you haven't met them, you know, you go off of, like, energy and, you know, just, you know, style of speaking, what yeah. are they interested in, you know, and when you're interviewing people, it's difficult to tell because sometimes, you know, people are smart enough to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. Sometimes people don't have any filter, and you're like, huh, I don't know if this is good or bad. Yeah. And I remember just an immediate connection. I'm like, I walked away. I was at a lacrosse game for my son, and I'm like, I walked away, and yeah. I'm like, this conversation, I just really like this guy, you yeah. know, and, and you know, we had, I think we had some natural, natural chemistry. Um, but you know, you look at your career and the changes that you've made. And I think that, you know, there's a couple points that are universal to people in our industry mm-hmm. is that you never want to stop learning. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a spot where you either stop learning or you find enough friction where you're not able to really get the value out of that, you make a change. That's it, man. Um, you know, and whether it's high volume or you're in fine dining or you want to learn a little bit about French cuisine mm-hmm. um, or you've got a great opportunity because an old friend, uh, you know, from another spot helps you out. And, and that's another universal thing. You know, we don't ever really want to burn bridges because those that's bridges, it. they cross all over the place. All the time, man. Um, you know, which Tampa is really interesting, and it's not unique to this situation or this conversation, but there's so many bridges in Tampa. People are leaving and opening new places. Mm-hmm. You know, Picant was a really great restaurant, and then all of a sudden it's not there, and those people have to find jobs. Yeah. And then they, you know, they kind of do this spiderweb thing across Tampa, St. Pete, Clearwater, you know, all of those areas. So it's really interesting to hear everyone's journey because it's very similar. Yeah. You know, I left this place because of this opportunity, or hey, a guy called me. You know, which is almost the story of my career as well. Hey, That's it. we got a chance over here. What do you think? And you're like, oh, God, this sounds awesome. Or, hey, I'm going to learn this. You know, for me, it was going from a corporate-owned restaurant to a family-owned restaurant. And I didn't know that there would be that big of a difference, mm-hmm. but it was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and the learning that took place, you know, where I worked after uh, my corporate job was amazing. It was nonstop, you know, for two and a half years the exposure, you know, all the things that we love about this industry were present. So it was really great. When you think about the Tampa food scene, you know, and it obviously extends a little bit to St. Pete, even though I feel like, you know, it's it's a cousin relationship. The St. Pete people are the St. Pete people, and they kind of look across the Mm -hmm. bridge and go, we're doing great over here. Tampa's doing the same thing. But I talk to a lot of people that, you know, hey, we want to make the drive from St. Pete and try this restaurant out or vice versa. When you think of the Tampa scene, you know, what, what sticks out for you? People that are either doing noteworthy things or things that you find really interesting. I know it's hard to get out sometimes yeah. when we work where we work. but it is, it, is, uh, it is hard to get out, but I'm trying to get out more this year. Um, I was talking, I talked to one uh, chef friend that was working at District Tavern, and I was telling him, like, my goal is to try to get out and support more people as much as I can. But, you know, it is challenging as a chef because you're there all the time. Yeah. You're trying to support yourself, right? Um. <clears throat> But to answer your question, I really like what I like what Roman Fig is doing. 
I think I think they're keeping it simple. Um, I think the food is great. I think the drinks are great. I think they have an amazing staff, an amazing crew. I think the owners are onto something. Okay. Um, honestly, I think it's a good location. I just think it's something that it's just for me keeping it. I remember back in the day, and I was like, "Oh, it has to be big and grand and everything." Like when it comes to keeping it simple, they're doing it right. Great, honestly, easier to execute, also, right? Yeah, man. Like you know, it's just once you walk in, it's just the the vibe is amazing. Um, I think anybody can go there. I think it's, I think just just all around, just top notch in my opinion. Um, I like. I mean, how can you not like Rooster? They're always, they're always on the list. They're, they're just always so on amazing. the list, man. They're just that's it. They're just so amazing. I mean, yeah. just the the experience is great. the The crew is great. They're he just he just knows exactly what he wants to do mm-hmm. and what he needs to do when he does it. And it's again, he's keeping it simple. There's nothing crazy going on, man. Right. It's, it's nothing big. There's nothing grand. Um, I think those two places stick out because of the the love that they have for their food, the love, more importantly, the love that they have, and you can see it, that they have for their crew, for the people that make them successful. Right. And I think that's extremely important, man. Extremely. I I think, you know, I think everyone at some point, I'm sure, uh, in any city across America, and and maybe even internationally, even though I've never worked internationally, Mm -hmm. when you've worked at a corporate restaurant, and most of us have, because it's sometimes where you kind of, you know, you you tear, you you get your experience in the beginning. Um, it's high volume. It's it's very conformed. It's very structured. It yeah. teaches you a lot of great things. Mm-hmm. But what you find with these small restaurants that are either family owned or single operation, or even you know a guy that likes to just open new places, mm-hmm. the more that you take care of and connect with your staff, the better the operations are. Yeah. And, and you build these deep bonds where people care about small details that you don't have to follow up with and kind of beat the nail with the hammer every day about simple things. Mm-hmm. Um, but passion is one of those things that people buy into immediately. And, and not that corporations don't have that and can't, you know, deliver that, um, but it's at a different level. And the dialogue is, is much different. You know, it's, it's a little more money-driven, a little more growth and expansion, whereas a place like Roman Fig is very simplistic. It's very classy. Yeah. You go in, you know, and it's not, it's not canned stuff. You know, it's yeah. fresh yeah. and it's local, and they found the local food guy that can make, you know, really cool sourdough bread or artisan yeah. bread or whatever. So... You know, they don't mind spending a little bit more money because it gets them the clout and the quality that people really, I think, are looking for right now. And I think that's what's made Tampa really unique in the last probably five years is restaurants like that are opening nonstop. And they're people with talent. They're not people that are exactly. like, I think I have a concept and I'm going to put together, you know, the standard ingredients. I'm no, going to start out, man. Yeah, so it's 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 really cool, and, and, and it continues to grow. You know, even the brewery scene and, and the hotels, you know, mm-hmm. all of the different things. You know, of course, we just had the Super Bowl, so there were so many different places, you know, jockeying to open up by the time people came in town. Yeah. Um, that's really awesome. Very cool. So when you think about, uh, you know, your career, you've obviously worked in a lot of different places, done mm-hmm. some really cool things, learned a ton. Yeah. What's next? You know, what what is it that you want to put under your belt uh, moving forward? Building a team is important. Um and I learned that the hard way. So what I would like to do in the future is uh, I still I still have a passion for food trucks. And um, when I first moved down here, I realized, like, coming from Minnesota, that was it was booming. It had started booming back in, like, 08, 09. Um, and then I come down here, and I realized it was just getting started as we're moving down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and even now, especially with quarantine, you see so many of them that blew up you know, just over that quarantine time. And I understand, we we understand why. 
Um, so for me, the next step would be doing, you know, something to that effect. Um, and I just like the idea of being able to change the scenery mm -hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. To go, to go where, where the money is instead of waiting for the money to come to you. Right. Um, I want to be able to control that because I think, you know, and we've we've kind of we've had this conversation briefly. The more the deeper I get into it, the more I realize how the best managers, the best GMs, do have the front and the back of the house experience, right? And I think the one thing that always, um, you know, that always stops me from wanting to take that next step is having to bring in the people. Like there's some like it's just I feel like going out and trying to find people to bring into the restaurant is something that. I can definitely work, you know, something I need to build on, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's always been one thing that's held me back. Like, I have to be the person to drive these sales, and I'm not quite sure how to be that person. Right. You know, it's always something that, aside from, <laughs> and I know what you're going to say, but aside from the fact that I don't really like dealing with people like that, like in their face like mm -hmm. that and serving them, those are probably the two things I just don't want to deal with as a front-of-house manager, right? Right. But as a leader. You suck it up, you look in the mirror, you recognize, you recognize the opportunities, and then you set goals and you just go for it, man. You know, and that's kind of where I'm at right now in my career. I think that, you know, if you haven't seen the movie The Chef, yeah. and I think most people have, you know, he, he gets his food truck and he's traveling around, he's using social media, and this was years ago, so yep. now it's so much more current. Right. I think the food truck scene is definitely going to grow. Um, you know, we've been very fortunate in Tampa and in Florida in general that COVID did not annihilate. Yeah. Um, our industry as badly as it did a lot of these other very cities. Very true, very true. But um, I think there's going to be a shift. There's a lot of shifts happening in terms of ghost kitchens and virtual kitchens, food trucks, uh, you know, drive-through only, you know, patio only, mm -hmm. a lot of things that I think there's going to be a transformation. I don't know how big it will be in Florida, but I think across the nation in these bigger cities it definitely will. But yeah. food trucks are cool. Yeah. Food trucks are cool. And, and getting in front of the guests, you know, I, I went to a food truck uh, about a week and a half ago. It's called Renee's Mexican Kitchen. Mm -hmm. And this guy, very talented uh, chef, is a small little taco truck, mm -hmm. you know, and you walk up in this parking lot across from a brewery, and they have a very reliable business because of that brewery, you mm -hmm. know, because breweries want to brew, and yep. they don't want to worry about food. Exactly. And so it's a great partnership. Yep. And the food is fantastic, and he's very creative. I mean, he's smoking salmon, he's pickling onions and cabbage and all these really cool nice. ingredients. Yeah. So, you know, I could see you doing that. I think the biggest thing I would say to people, you know, in our industry that want to grow um, out of their comfort zone mm -hmm. is stop telling yourself you're not good at something. That's it, man. That's it because you, you, you don't you don't know <laughs> yeah. you know and when I think of you and we had this conversation you know a while back is I think of you as someone that could do anything in this business given the opportunity yeah. um, and you got to cut your teeth you know just like yeah. if you would ask me to run a kitchen yeah. it would take a little while it would be intimidating but I would be so jazzed up with the opportunity that yeah. I would just go for it um, and I think that anyone listening to this that wants to go from the back to the front or the front to the back. Um, or manage both, mm -hmm. uh, you really got to look at it as something that you can bring some enthusiasm and some passion. That's it, man. But you also got to be humble. Yep. Um, going from the front of the house to the back of the house is very humbling yeah. um, in a lot of ways, but in, in definitely a different skill set. When you go from back of the house to front, you got to polish your dialogue a little bit. That's there's it. there's a different agenda when you are interacting with guests and, yep. and front of the house you know, staff. So, you know, it's all possible, Yeah. you know, and sure. if, if anything I've learned over the years is uh, a filter is necessary, you just change your filter a lot, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. You're, you really, you really got to approach things in a different way, depending on what you want the outcome to be, yeah. you know. Um, 
So very cool, very cool. So to kind of close out, you know, there's a lot of things I think people can take away from your journey and, and, and their own journey. But yeah. ultimately, you know, our industry is one of growth mm-hmm. and curiosity and learning um, and exposure and really understanding what your value is and how to build, you know, that moving forward. And there's so many opportunities. So last thought of the day, and I, I want you to, to, to really think through and, and give me a good answer. Um, looking back at your career, if you could go back somehow and coach yourself at a really pivotal moment or really give yourself some great advice, um, what would you say to a younger Maurice moving forward in his career? Just go for it, man. You go for it, you save your money. Save, save all of your money. <laughs> invest. Save your money, invest, and go for it. Make sure that you ask, you know what you want, you know your worth, and be vocal about it. You know, um, stand up for yourself. There's so many things that I've learned. Oh my gosh, man, what am I, 38? So it's been about 21 years. That's so nuts, man. And I'm just now feeling comfortable about everything, you know? Right. I'm just now comfortable, mm-hmm. like, oh, no, I, I know what I want. Like, yep. I don't need that, you know? Mm-hmm. So just know what you want, you know, set those goals, man. But m- most importantly, just, you have to, you, you're right. You just have to go for it, man. You're not going to know everything. Nope. You're not. Nobody knows everything. Yep. And the guy next to you will let you know when you don't know something, Absolutely. Right? <laughs> the most successful people in the world have have all the people that know everything. Right. You know what I mean? They know a little bit about everything, but they have those people in those specific areas. They hire for the wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just <laughs> make intelligent decisions, man. That's it. Don't hire to, you know, fill the spot. Hire to build the business. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good advice. Yeah. Good advice for everyone. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, this is Chef Maurice uh, Evans, a personal friend of mine and, and an excellent excellent chef. I look forward to uh, watching his career grow and he'll do great things of course in support of his wonderful and uh, very intelligent wife. Um, (laughs) Thank you for listening to From the Frying Pan. This is Vince Cassay. You can go on the website www.vincecassay.com. Reach out to me with any restaurant related questions front or back of the house, chef related uh, or anything operational. I'd be happy to support you in your endeavors to run better restaurants and build a great career. Thanks for signing off and have a great shift.